0: I don't know if I overdosed, but I woke up in the bed with a cop and a paramedic in my room. He was like, are you OK? Um, and I just remember thinking, like, why the hell are you in my apartment? Like, And um, they just kept saying, like, are you OK? Are you OK? You don't want to end up like your friend.
1: Welcome to Stories of Recovery. I'm your host, Matt Shedd. This is the second episode in our new documentary-style series focusing on the spiritual experience of people working the 12 steps, viewing that transformation from multiple perspectives. In this new format, we're hearing not only from the person who is in recovery, but also from those close to that person on what that recovery looked like from the outside and how that transformation is contagious. In this episode we focus on Kirsty D. She checked into treatment here at Mar and underwent a profound spiritual change as a result of working the 12 steps. And we also hear from her mother Moira and her sister Gabby sharing about their impressions of Kirsty. We also get to hear about them going on their own recovery journeys. So for me this is a really unique and beautiful set of stories where you can hear each person involved working their own program of recovery and how going through that process of healing and change, they're each able to support one another. I do want to mention really quickly that this episode does discuss the death of a loved one from an overdose. All right, that's enough from me. Here's Kirsty.
0: So the second to last day of my using, um, I lost my boyfriend at the time to an overdose. Um, so I... Wow. I was living with a roommate and him. We were working, went down to Atlanta. um, And I don't really remember much of that night. I think that I don't know if I overdosed, but I woke up in the bed with a cop and a paramedic in my room. And he was like, are you okay?" Um, And that was when I like walked into the living room and saw my boyfriend. And then my roommate was just sitting there. And we ended up getting arrested and going to Fulton County Jail.
1: Here's Moira, Kirsty's mom.
2: In all honesty, I think Kirsty was at the point she wanted away from the life she was in. But she was, you know, the boyfriend, he was just had such a hold on her, you know, because he had nobody. Well, I mean, he did. He had a mother and a grandmother, but they were both addicts. And he had no job or legal job, no car, nothing. And I think she just felt very responsible. I just remember, like, I don't think it had really hit me. Like, I
0: remember making that call to my mom and I just kind of fell to the floor and said, he's gone. Um, and I, I don't know if she had known when she had, when I talked to her, but
2: she was very quick to come and get me. She doesn't remember it the way it really was. I actually got a call from his mother, and his mother said to me, uh, well, you'll be happy to hear that he's dead. And I was like, in total shock. And she goes, I know you never liked my son, but he's gone now. And, And she said, your daughter's in jail, and I don't know where. So this was, you know, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night or something. And I went straight into panic-dependent mode and phoned around all the jails and, you know, everything. Of course, it was too soon to find out where she was because they hadn't processed her. Eventually, I found out where she was, drove down, and I gave her a piece of paper. And I said, I'm not bailing you out unless you sign this. And I think she was just so distraught at the time. She... Didn't know what was going on.
0: When I got bailed out, she had this piece of paper that said, you're going to treatment or you're going to back to jail. And I was like, yeah, let me sign that. I'm not going back to jail. Mm -hmm. Um, So I went to Ridgeview. And then at Ridgeview, I remember them saying, like, you need long-term treatment. Um, But, I mean, I was just in such disbelief. I remember sitting in Ridgeview telling somebody that I was just in my head pretending that he had just broken up with me. Like, it was just, I was in such denial.
3: I remember my mom calling me, like, the following day and telling me uh, that her boyfriend had overdosed <clears throat> and died and that my sister was going to go to rehab.
1: That's Kirsty's younger sister, Gabby.
3: But I was very much, like, at that point, super separated from my sister.
1: The way she described it, like, we hated each other. Like, we did not talk to each other. Is that accurate?
3: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: <laughs> yeah. So then what was your reaction when you heard?
3: I sort of felt relieved. Um, you know, like, that phone call could have been my sister. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at that point, I really... Had so much like animosity, and I mean, obviously, it was like super tragic and devastating, sure, yeah, and sad,
1: right? Right.
3: But I was sort of like, if that had not happened, would we be here sitting talking right now?
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Like, would my sister even be alive right now? Like, maybe not. You know. So, like, at the moment, I was, I wasn't really sad. I, like, kind of felt relieved. I was, like, she's four years older than me, so I was always, like, wanted to be the cool kid and, like, hang out with her and her friends. And, you know, when she was in high school, she would have, like, parties, and I was like, oh, I want to be included in these parties. And then, like, I think really when, like, her using, like, when she was in, like, the thick of it, um, we were all still living together and yeah, I just remember like birthday money that I got or like Christmas money. And all of a sudden it like started going missing. Like I would be like, I think Kirsty took my money and, and like it would turn into this like big family like affair of like, no, it wasn't your sister. She wouldn't do that. And then I would be like the crazy one. And like, it was sort of like this, like losing trust little by little. And then just like her, yeah, kind of like separating herself from the family.
1: What Gabby remembers in particular was when Kirsty and her boyfriend at the time, who we heard about at the beginning, would come over for family dinners. And the disconnect between what she felt everybody knew and how little everybody was talking about it.
3: I've never felt so angry at someone. Yeah. It was a lot of a lot of anger and then and then I sort of just dismissed it, you know. Like, okay, well, she's sort of a lost cause and she's not my sister anymore. Also, everyone in the family knew what was going on, but nobody was really talking about it. And especially for me, like I'm the youngest. And so everyone in my family sort of like, tries to like put these rosy colored glasses. And so it was like very clear what was happening. Like neither of them could like speak sentences. And we were like sitting around the dinner table pretending like we were having this like cute family dinner And like, they're very clearly using.
2: She probably told you she went through a lot when she was younger. She had uh, 17 surgeries on her leg.
1: Oh, wow. No, I don't think we got We didn't get into any of that. Uh,
2: yeah. When she, when she was 12, she got into a professional ballet company. I took her to the ortho because, you know, she was crying and she was used to pain from dancing. They took her straight into the OR and they told me that she was going to lose her leg. They said they didn't know what it was. And then they decided that she had osteomyelitis, which is a staff infection in her tibia. And, of course, she was on a lot of drugs and everything because of it. So I think that was kind of the start. But because of that, I was so used to just jumping in and helping her and just doing everything I could to save my daughter's life, basically.
1: Now going back to the period of Kirsty getting into treatment... It's been about ten days since her boyfriend passed away. She's been staying with her mom, who's been keeping a close watch on her. The judge has agreed to a legal reprieve contingent on Kirsty seeking help, and now she's about to check into long term treatment at Marr for a minimum of ninety days, which feels like a lifetime to her at this point.
0: In betwi- it was the night before I came to Mar. I, I um got high. I told my mom I needed to go do something, I don't know.
1: You're twenty two Like, what's the feeling you get when you check into Mar? I either saw,
0: like, oh, I'm way too far. Like, nobody's going to be able to help me. I'm just way worse than all these people. Or they just don't understand. Like, I was looking for all of the differences. Um, And, I mean, even at, I think it was, like, my second week and halfway, I went to Courtney. And I was like, Courtney, I think I need to leave And I made up this story about how all the girls were talking about each other and I didn't feel safe. And she was like, okay. And she's like, well, if you want to go, like, I'm going to personally write a letter to your judge. And I was like, oh, oh, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And so in community that week, she was like, I want you to tell the girls what you told me. And I was like, oh, shit. Like, I just made up this whole story about why I need to leave. And I told them all what I had said. And, like, they all kind of looked at me like, what? I I was like, okay, I'm here. I'm staying here. (laughs) Uh, How
1: how far into treatment was that?
0: That was two weeks in. Oh, wow. I was ready to bolt.
1: (laughs) 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 So was there a moment where you could feel like that shift where you're like, oh, okay, maybe there is some hope coming through of like, oh, this might work.
0: I think it was really after I did my fifth step with my sponsor. Mm. Um, I remember having some relief. And then, like, I remember calling my sponsor, like, weeks later and being like, you know, I haven't really thought about using in a while. And she was like, welcome. Like, welcome. Like, this is this is the promises happening. Um, and I think at that point, I had noticed that the girls I was li- were living with, they, like, they were changing. I could see the change in them. And I, like, decided, oh, like, maybe I do want this. Like, maybe I do want to be sober. And I think I had started looking at, like, my life for what it was um, and, like, all of those examples on that first step. Like, I remember being, like, how, like, how is this what I want to go back to? Um, and I remember asking the girls, like, hey, what did you do? Like, because I, I wanted nothing to do with God. Um, so, like asking the girls, like how they connected with their higher power, and um, just like trying different things out. And then I remember hearing in a meeting somebody said they were talking about like the spirituality and to just like to just let it go, like it'll happen, like you don't have to force it. And I remember just breathing and thinking, like, okay, like I'm sitting here mm-hmm. trying so hard when all I really have to do is continue doing the steps. Um, and after really my ninth step doing a few of those, it was like, okay, I'm all in on this. Like, I'm like ready to be sober. I'm ready to just like put all, all into this.
1: While Kirsty was having these experiences and treatment at MAR, Gabby was doing her own work. She was attending Al-Anon family groups, had a sponsor, was working the steps and started seeing her relationship with Kirsty from a new perspective.
0: I think
3: one of the first things, the, like, addiction is a disease concept, I was like, oh, so she's just not a shitty, oh, sorry, am I allowed to
1: cut No, you can, yeah, you can, you can totally <laughs> say <laughs> shitty.
3: <laughs> I and mean, I'm like, oh, so she's just, like, not a shitty person? Like, there's more behind that? Nah. <laughs> um, and, like, I think just the compassion is really what stuck with me. As, like, now looking back and sort of my, the way I feel now is every single person, every one of us is like three, four, five decisions away from what my sister went through or homelessness or, you know, any sort of situation. So, when you put that into perspective, it's interesting because I feel like you actually, like, it sort of dissipated the anger that I had.
1: What was the biggest takeaway that you took from going through that process of working the steps? I
3: think it, like I sort of got this like little taste of like my part in just in like life. Like it was the first time where I was able to like kind of see my story because up until that point, like it was Kirsty's story. And like everything revolved around the addiction. And yeah, this was more of like, okay, but what, how do you feel about it? And what is your dynamic in the situation? And so it kind of like gave me a, like a, a light, a voice. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that like working through that gave me the space to like cultivate our relationship. And then I would come home and, you know, like we would, like I was a big volleyball player growing up and like everyone at Mar played volleyball on like Friday nights. And so like, that's really, that's really how I think we reconnected was like, I came home for the weekend and she was playing volleyball with her friends. And I was like, what? I mean, I'll come sure and then like it was fun all these people were there it was great and then like had to like rush her home by curfew and so like it was sort of like we were reacquainting ourselves in like a social setting so i was never like with her alone and then i was like seeing her the way that i had seen her before
1: Meanwhile, Moira, Kirsty's mom, had been participating in Marr's family program. She'd been doing family groups and working with a family counselor. And all this is kind of gearing up to family week, which comes during the second phase of treatment at Marr after the client and the family members have had a chance to start working through some of the damage caused by the addiction. Here we have Kirsty and Moira both reflecting on what that family week was like.
0: I remember being so nervous about it because you hear how, I mean, it's, it's intense. I mean, family impact is very impactful. Um, and it was just my mom my, that came. I was terrified
2: <laughs> because I thought I'm just going to be, a you know, crying my eyes out and not be able to talk. And, you know, you're in front of all these other people as well. And, you know, that's hard to be vulnerable like that. Um, I was very nervous. And of course, because I was on my own, because a lot of other people were there with their partners or, you know, their other children. And of course, Gabby was in college, so she couldn't just get out of college and come. And so it was it was hard. I just felt a wee bit on my own and just vulnerable.
1: So, can you describe that family impact group for people that yes. don't know what it is?
0: So you, I mean, it's it's pretty much you're you're not allowed to say I love you and I'm sorry. I think there might have been some other words you can right, say, right? Right. And so I had to stand up and talk about how my addiction had impacted her. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember going and being so nervous about it, and I was the first person to. St- stand up in family impact and I like cried my eyes out and I had rem- a few years before coming to Mar we had gone to Scotland before my grandmother passed um, and I was high the whole time and I remember telling her that and just te- just letting her know that she wasn't crazy all the times that she had accused me of being high and I gaslit her and made her feel like she was crazy. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to let her know like you weren't crazy i
2: was sick i know when, when she brought up about scotland oh she was awful that whole trip and uh, i mean i knew there was something going on i had no idea that she was high the whole time because i didn't think you know she got on the plane with anything and but she was just so horrible and and I, it just really upset me because i know you know it was the last time they were going to see my mom and mm. So that, that was kind of hard. And when I look back at pictures, I would see Kirsty and her physique. You know, she was like so thin and just you can tell. And I didn't know if my mom was
0: going to stand up and say anything. Um... And when she did, I mean, I just lost it. And I, I I, honestly don't even remember what she said to me. It was more of, you know, I didn't know if you were going to live or die. Like, I was just waiting for that phone call um, and hearing that. I mean, it's like, you know that that's how they feel. But, like, actually hearing it was, it was a lot. Mm. It was really sad.
1: Do you remember what you said to her in, in that group? No, I don't. <laughs>
2: I really don't. But I mean, you remember
1: I, the you remember the feelings though. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah,
2: definitely and you know I just wanted to hug her and you know just I didn't need the words I felt. Yeah. But yeah, but I don't remember the actual words. We had our
0: family session. I think it was the same day. If it wasn't, it was the next day. And I mean, that was just, it was amazing. Because before then, we had no boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, me and
2: my mom had more of like a friendship, mm-hmm.
0: rather than like a mother daughter relationship.
2: Well, before she even got to my, I can remember when she had a job, that I would call her every morning to make sure she got up to get, you know, and you've had all this before.
1: yeah, yeah.
2: And then yeah. her car, she she did a title pawn in her car, and so I paid that off. And I thought, well, if if she's got a job and if she's got her car and if she gets, to, you know, if she does that, she'll be fine. And that's what we all think. And it, you know, these things, it doesn't matter. But I remember in Marwin's, I think they were allowed to get their car because they were going. And she asked, I said, no, you're not getting <laughs> it. You know, and I thought, God, that was that, that oh. was a that was a big step for me with my
0: mom and granted it took a few years of continuing to set boundaries and, and do that. But I mean, she's, she's my, one of my rocks. Mm. Um, and I mean, I don't think that that would have happened had it not been for the family workshop at Mar and I mean, her going to the family, the, the parents group that she went to, that was huge for her. Cause then she met people that were going through the same things. Um, Yeah, it was really good for us.
1: So what what has it been like watching her in the years since she has been in recovery?
3: Oh, yeah. It is, like, the coolest thing. Like, I was just home uh, in May. Just, like, staying at their house, right? Like, she has a husband and she has two kids and it's like sort of mind-boggling when I like, sometimes I'm like sitting there and I'm like, wow, this is like, this is life now, right? Like it actually is possible to go from like, this like hated relationship to like, I mean basically what she said is like she's my best friend. I talk to her every day, like and it's not this this relationship where we're just like, Oh, how are you? Oh how like we actually have like a meaningful and like um deep relationship where we like talk about our feelings mm-hmm. and like what is that about? You know, like <laughs> that that like was not a possibility before she got sober.
0: Our dad passed away about two years oh, ago. I'm sorry to hear. Thank that. you. Um, and we ended up going over to England for ten days. And like, I don't think I could have gone through that without her there. Because mm-hmm. we we got there, and my dad passed away three days after we got there. We didn't know if we were gonna get to see him or not because of the quarantine rules and they were so strict over there. Um, And we did finally get to say goodbye. And then we had seven days of sitting in his house, like kind of cleaning it up. And I mean, she is just such a rock and like a supporter for me.
1: What's it been like watching her in those years since?
2: I mean, I just think she's a miracle i oh, so proud of her and of course luckily she married a guy that was also in the program and he's amazing too and she's got a lovely little family and grandbabies which I never thought I'd see and she's I think she's just such a miracle I think she's I'm very very proud of the woman she's become.
1: Moira, Kirsty's mom, continues to stay active in her own recovery, participating in groups with MAR and other organizations where she helps inspire parents that are going through tough times with their children. Gabby currently lives in Colorado. She speaks with Kirsty on the phone every day, and they have a wonderful relationship. And Kirsty is married and has two children. She has a sponsor. She sponsors other women. And she stays very active in MAR alumni activities. She's coming up on 15 years of sobriety. I just want to say thank you to all three of these women for generously sharing their stories with us. I'm Matt Shedd. Our executive producer for Stories of Recovery is David Tate. And if you'd like to email us, you can reach us at podcast at marinc.org. That's podcast. At MARRINC.org. Thank you so much for joining us, and we're already looking forward to next time.